Hello and welcome to the Garden Church Podcast. My name's Darren and I'm here with Faith. Hi. Pastor Faith. And we will get to the sermon in just a little bit, but we wanted to make some time and space to talk about something special that we've been having on Sundays. And it's a new song that Pastor Faith, you and your husband, Josh, wrote, and we've shared it with our community. Tell us a little bit about it. What's the name of it? Yeah. And where did it come from? Yeah, so it's called We Need You. Um, and I, I'm going to root this in 1 Corinthians 2 when Paul says, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Um, the, the first thing that was written for this song was the beginning of that bridge section that says, We don't need better plans. We don't need clever thoughts. We need your Spirit, O oh God. We don't want the wisdom of man. We want we want a display of God's power, which is really what the world needs. They don't need to see a show, or even in the area of worship, they don't need to hear good music. We need to see a display of the power of God. So it came from that heart cry. And then the beginning of the song kind of sets up this space where we invite Holy Spirit, we open our hearts, we clear out all the distractions, the things that get in the way and then just simply cry out for more of Him. And it's this this longing to be a, a space where the Spirit would rest mm-hmm. as a community. Yeah, I love that. That's such a the heart and core value of Garden Church. Exactly. Knowing that the Spirit is present, like He's welcome to the party and we get to celebrate. And I so appreciate the beauty and creativity that you've been cultivating, not only with worship, but just something that we can invite the rest of our community into. And, and it's so cool when, when uh, in the recording of this song, it's the first time that we shared it. And it's like people have been singing it for weeks. <laughs> and it was just such a cool thing to experience. And so we're so happy for those of you that have experienced that with us on a Sunday morning. And we want to see just more original songs being birthed from this place um, that you're talking about, just being saturated in the Holy Spirit. So we are welcoming you to stick around after the sermon where you can hear a live recording of the song, We Need You, and I hope it blesses your heart. Garden Church Podcast. This new series we launched today is called Resilient Disciples, Living as a Church in a Time of Crisis. See, I want to talk about this concept of resilience. The word resilient means a person who's able to withstand or recover quickly from difficult conditions. And I think this is a perfect opportunity to talk about what it means to be disciples, people who have learned to follow Jesus, learn to be with him, become like him, and do the things that he did, and learn resilience in this moment, to be people who recover quickly from difficult situations and conditions. And I'm going to teach about different characteristics that we need to possess, different practices we need to practice as a church in this time of crisis. And I think it's really important. So the first thing I want to talk about today is how to build deep connection and uh, deep connection relationally while remaining physically isolated. Uh, Resilient disciples are people who have, uh, resilient disciples, excuse me, are deeply connected and build meaningful relationships. This is true of resilient disciples. So I want to teach on this concept as we build our community in this strange time of being physically isolated. So let's open up our scriptures. We're gonna go to Luke chapter eight. 
and verse 19. I want to talk to you about this word community or this concept of meaningful relationships. And I want to talk about the Bible and what it means to live out a biblical community and meaningful relationships. Because biblical community is more than just Christian friends hanging out. And so what does the scripture say about uh, community and how we ought to live in this time of social isolation? So Luke chapter 8 says this, verse 19. Now Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, but they were not able to get near him because of the crowd. Someone told him, your mother and brother are standing outside waiting for you. He replied, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. Now, a few things you need to know about this, this text. First of all, this statement would have been culturally scandalous. Your family in the first century context was everything. Uh, your primary loyalty was to your natural family. So they defined who you are. It's where you received your identity. It's where you received income. It's where you see your vocation, your purpose. You made every decision on the basis of your natural family in the first century. So it was culturally scandalous. Number two is that this statement that Jesus makes would have been seen as radical because what he does is he invites his disciples into a new family. He invites his disciples, challenges his followers to trade one primary loyalty group, a person's natural family, and join a new primary loyalty group, the kingdom community, the family of God. So the two most used descriptions of the followers of Jesus according to the New Testament are two words that we kind of downplay. Number one is disciples. People are becoming like Jesus and doing the things that Jesus did. But the second word is family. That the church, the Christians are to be a family, a family of God. It says in Luke, it says, if you hear God's word and put it into practice, you are part of Jesus's new community if you hear and obey. In Mark chapter three, verse 35, it says this, whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. So in Mark's gospel, it's uh, biblical community is formed around discipleship to Jesus, but more importantly, around the mission of God. So what this means is this, according to the scriptures, through intentionally reprioritizing our lives around the way of Jesus, we form a new kingdom family on earth and in heaven. So when you, call, when you become Christian, you join a new family. And now your priorities, your, uh, the, the need to uh, uh, identify with a new loyalty, a new group um, to associate with moves from your natural family or just your natural family to this other thing called the church that we are now to see each other as brothers and sisters. And when you take this call seriously to become family, um, you get something in the New Testament called fellowship. Now, fellowship is not what happens when a bunch of us get together and bring a potluck and try to have meals together. It's not the four minutes in between a sermon and, and worship or whatever it is. Fellowship is a word used to describe what happened when the church was filled with the Spirit of God and living on mission. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship 
The word is koinonia. To the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many, uh, with, with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. That word koinonia is connected to the word common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need in the church. Acts 4 verse 32 says, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. Now, this is this this concept, koinonia, fellowship, community. What you see in the Bible, what you see in the New Testament, when when the people of God are filled with the presence of God, when they follow Jesus, they now see all their other Christian brothers and sisters as their family. So the things that they would do for their family, they're now doing for each other. How radical is this? Biblical community is simply family on mission together. The church from its inception is bound together by a mission and by a common purpose. And all of the social ex- or cultural expectations of one's natural family were placed on the people of God. And as a result, what they do is they take care of each other. They care for the needs that are within their community. They, they make sure that there are no needs among them. It says that God's grace was so powerfully at work among them all that there were no needs in the early church. How amazing is this? This is incredible. What a testimony. There's a sociologist named Rodney Stark. He wrote a book called The Rise of Christianity. And he studied the unimaginable growth that happened in the first century, the first three centuries of the church. That it, uh, there, were, there were no formal uh, buildings. There, were no, uh, for, there was no formal education. There were no websites. Uh, there were no institutions to support the church in the first 300 years. And it grew from, I think it's 25,000 people around 100 AD to uh, nearly 25 million people, half of the Roman Empire empire by 350 AD. And what he says as he tracks the unimaginable growth is this. Christians lived radically because people, uh, sorry, Christians lived radically. People looking in from the outside wanted to be like them. This is amazing. Now, what you need to know is in the first century, the first century had built inside of the cultural worldview a communal worldview. They saw the lens of the world through their natural families. They made decisions based on their natural families, based on their moms and dads, their brothers and cousins and sisters and such. But um, what Jesus invites them to do is change the way they see the world from their natural family being their primary loyalty to now the kingdom family. So it was countercultural and it was radical. In our culture, we do not have a communal worldview. We have an individualistic worldview. We see the world through individualism. And individualism is the enemy of community in our context. We engage life through the lens of self. It's, I mean, I see this all the time. It's about my dreams, my career, my little family, um, my job, my individual satisfaction, my finances, my everything. We don't even concern ourselves necessarily with our extended family. We don't have a communal worldview. We have an individualistic worldview. But what Jesus wants to do is he wants to train us or retrain us on how to see the world. He wants us to look at the world through his 
eyes, his eyes of the kingdom. He wants us to take off the worldly values and the worldly self and put on a new self, a a self that is uh, baptized in his presence, baptized in the kingdom reality and see the world through a new lens. And that's why we need to see the world through scripture. We need to see the world and, and reorient our lives around the way of Jesus, his word and his presence, and then begin to live our natural, everyday, ordinary lives through that process of transformation. Are you with me at home? I, I didn't hear you. Are you with me at home? <laughs> Good. This is gonna be hard. This is gonna be a hard process of, of giving up one way and learning another way, but this is the moment. This is perhaps the moment God wants to use to make the church what he's always desired for the church to be, to be a family in the midst of crisis. Now, it's going to be hard to relearn how to live from selfishness to others or from self to others, from consumerism to contribution. We are going to have to change the way we live. And it's not just us that have struggled with this. All of the church throughout history has struggled with this. In fact, Paul talks about this in Romans. And in fact, last Friday, a couple weeks ago, I was praying as we were entering into this crisis. And on Friday, I asked the Lord, would you give me a text to help me understand how to lead our church in this time? And he gave me this text from Romans 12. And the next, uh, on Monday, I was meeting uh, with one of my friends, our friend from Trinity Grace Williamsburg, Tyler. We were Zooming. We meet every other Monday. And he says to me, Darren, I was praying for a text that would help me lead our church this time. And he literally got the same exact text. And so there you go, two churches from two different places, two different pastors connected by the same common view of scripture that this is what we need for this time. So listen to this, Romans 12, verse 10. This is a picture of how we ought to live together in this moment, in this crisis. Verse 10 says this, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Come on, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope. Listen to this, be joyful in hope patient in affliction and faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality via Zoom at this moment. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who mourn, uh, rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. And we'll stop there. Paul says, be devoted to one another in love. Is this not amazing. Be devoted to one another. The word in English is to be steadfast, be constant, be committed to one another in love. In Greek, it means to be very affectionate, to love dearly one another. And if you read the New Testament, there are 59 one another commands in the New Testament. So as we learn how to be church, Right now is a good opportunity to just do a Google search and look up what are the 59 one another's that we could begin to apply to our discipleship. What are the one another's that we might apply to our roommate situation as we find ourselves confined or our homes with our kids and our spouses? And I really believe what we do often in church context is we want to over-spiritualize these one another statements and talk about, oh, what it's like to love one another who are 
easy to love. Like for some of us, it's very easy to love the poor or those who are suffering or the marginalized. And it's very challenging to love our own spouses when we're confined and we're, we're agitated or frustrated or we're whole, harboring unforgiveness. But here's a couple of one another's that you can think about using this week. Serve one another. Admonish one another. Be patient with one another. Can I get an amen on patience? Brothers and sisters, how many of you need patience in this moment? As your life has been disrupted, as the kids are not going off to school, they're staying with you, they're asking you a thousand questions. Just the other day, side note, I'm just gonna say this to you guys because I would do this if we were all together. Alex told me, she said, I feel bad for Alexa, the Amazon app. I feel bad for Alexa because all she hears is our kids whining all day. Can I get an amen? Okay, build up one another, accept one another, forgive one another, bear one another's burdens, submit to one another, comfort one another, encourage one another. Now is the time for encouragement, brothers and sisters. Pray for one another. Now is the time to pray. Confess your sins to one another. There's 59 of these in the New Testament commands that are encouraging us to be the church, to Live as disciples. We can't possibly live as a disciple without each other. You couldn't obey any of these commands without community. The rest of the text, which we'll go over at another time, is so beautiful. Paul says, be joyful in hope. I want to remind you hope. Hope is a belief that God is who he says he is and that he, not the chaos of the world, is sovereign and victorious. Be joyful in hope. Patient in affliction. Paul's almost saying to us, like, you are going to endure resistance that comes with following Jesus. You will have to endure suffering because that's part of this. Be patient, endure, stay committed when you are going through affliction and be steadfast, faithful in prayer. And then he goes on to talk about sharing the Lord's, sharing with the Lord's people, those who are in need. Um, blessing those who persecute you, practicing hospitality, rejoicing with those who are re- rejoicing. I have friends who are in in um, an industry right now that because of the needs around the world, their business is exploding right now. They're making lots of money and they feel this weight like, what do I do? I'm like, just turn it towards generosity, turn it to gratitude. God's put you in this position. And then I also have friends that are mourning I got a text from one of our missionaries. The head of their department for the AG is sick in the hospital with coronavirus. They're on ventilators. So they're mourning that this is a dangerous time. There's people in our church that are, have lost loved ones already. They've lost jobs. So it, as the church, in this moment, we can rejoice with friends who are having things success and we can mourn with our brothers and sisters. But the point is to live in harmony with one another. Like God is the great um, uh, conductor and we are all instruments and together we make music that sounds in harmony. Now, let's just move on. Imagine for a moment if in this crisis the world wanted to be like the church. Could you imagine right now what it would look like if we get through this time of chaos and we come to the other side and all the institutions, the hospitals, the city, the restaurants, um, those who uh, have lost um, things, those that are suffering. Imagine if we get through this and what we see is that the city says, the institutions say, we couldn't have done it without the church. We, 
we couldn't have done this without you. What would it look like to be that church? Imagine if the conversations and the Instagram posts and the Facebook streams and the way that we, we, we gather and live in this moment is so vibrant and compelling that the world wants to be like us in this moment. Could you imagine if we were known in this time as people of peace rather than fear? as people that spread mercy and grace and compassion rather than judgment and anti-everything. Imagine if we woke up and lived out the one another's to the church around us that we're in and the world around us. Imagine if the doctors and the healthcare workers in our city said the church took care of our needs when we didn't have food and we had to eat uh, only after our shifts, they dropped it off. When we ran out of supplies, they brought the supplies. Imagine if that's what took place. That's what I think we need to be. I'm gonna say amen all by myself down here with Seth. Imagine, imagine that. That's what God desires in this moment. He desires the church to wake up, to be a biblical community because biblical community is a powerful witness to the world, real community. And resilient disciples know how to stay deeply connected and build meaningful relationship. So the question is, how do we build relationship in this time? I wanna get real practical and give you some creative ideas for how to build relationships in this time of isolation, where we are physically isolated, but perhaps now designed to be together more than ever before. First of all, you need to know something. First, you need to know what kills community. I want to say this to everyone everywhere, not just those at the garden, but you need to understand as you go church shopping, looking for community, these are the things that kill your community experience. Number one, preferences and expectations. Whenever you bring expectations to a a community, you will kill that community because you want them to be what they aren't. They are what they are, imperfect and human. And anytime we idealize community, we will kill that community because they'll never match our dreams. Number two, two, self-focus. When you focus on yourself, you will never have a intimate, meaningful relationship. It requires a pouring out a selflessness. Number three, in this time, you need uh, a lack of flexibility will cause a death in community. If you are not flexible in general in this moment, because things are changing rapidly, it will be very hard for you to build community. I have a saying now, blessed are the flexible. I've been saying this to our staff because our staff has been working so hard for, we literally have been working around the clock and we built all this stuff and then we had to change it overnight and it was very difficult. And I just said, hey guys, you just have to be flexible. Thanks for doing it. So staff watching at home, I love you. Thank you for all, you, all your work. Number four, lack of commitment, participation, and follow through. And number five, a lack of forgiveness. These are things that will kill a community. So how then do we build community? I wanna give you a couple of points to help you build community so you can have meaningful relationships in this time of crisis. I really feel led to this place in this moment to help our church practically build relationships creatively. It's gonna take your creativity and initiative to build these relationships. Number one, you gotta be proactive in connecting through technology. Perhaps for the first time, we can actually use technology for what it was designed to be. Not as a means of escape or broadcasting things, but as a means to connection. So we can FaceTime, we can text, we can Zoom, we can Skype, we can Voxer. If you don't know what that is, look, there's so many ways to connect, but use technology to connect with your loved ones, your families, um, your communities, your house churches. 
Be proactive in this. When you FaceTime, when you text, when you set up these calls this week, ask good questions. Don't just be prepared. Ask questions. How are they doing? Listen to their, re- their response. I-, I can't tell you how many people will ask a question and I see it in their eyes. They're just waiting to share their answer to me. It was like, it was a setup all along. They're not wanting to know my opinion. They just want to tell me what they think. Don't do that, please. I'm getting some amens. I know it inside my heart. Listen well, write down prayer requests and then follow up. This is key. Um, this, is, this is so key. When you ask people, if you have the courage to do this, hey, what's one thing I can pray for this week? What, what can we pray for? Write down what they say and then actually pray for it and then follow up with them. If you hear anything or, or the week goes by, how's this doing? How are you doing with your fear this week? How's the anxiety? How's the lack of sleep? Sound good? Point number two. How do we build deep connection in this time of crisis and isolation? I want to invite you to join a digital community. So we don't know how long this isolation will last. 30 days, 12, two weeks, 30 days, 45 days. We know that schools are closed in Long Beach till May 3rd. Our ability to gather in Sunday gatherings is going to be limited. So as a way of using this moment to build connection, we launched something called digitalchurch.live. And we just are inviting all of our house churches to break up their house churches to meet in these digital communities where they'll meet with five to six people over Zoom and they're basically discipleship communities that can pray together, worship together, and connect. I'm, I'm hoping that digitalchurch.live and the digital communities will expand, that we will see people in Northern California, Portland, San Diego join or host digital communities to help walk with people so that they feel connected. This will be a space for you to share your life with other people and get deep with the things going on in your life. So how do you stay connected in this time? Make sure you join a digital community. House churches are moving to digital communities in this time. They'll follow a similar structure of of house church, but this will be how we move forward. Number three, and this is really important, share your everyday life. You know, you need to give your time and your attention. So when, you, when you're wanting to connect with people, share your everyday life. Invite people into things. We're gonna have to get creative. Maybe we have meals with other couples in our own homes. Just FaceTime as you cooked your food and they cooked their food and then talk as if you're meeting in public. Share activities together. This week, we did a kid's talent show. It was so much fun. I heard of our, friend, our friend's church, Canopy. They did an all-church charades night. They did online charades. They had 40 people, four different Zoom households doing charades corporately. I I heard of other people doing different games as well. Um, There's so many different things you can do. Get creative. Let's get creative and have fun and share those moments. We did a birthday party over Zoom. I think we're going to celebrate another birthday party over Zoom shortly. Go to the next slide for me, Seth. Um, So what what we want you to do is get creative with these things. What can you do to get creative? And, and I want to invite you to share your everyday ordinary life. Number four is share your resources. Share your resources intentionally. How do you build meaningful relationships? Well, we share our lives. We ask questions. We stay connected over a long period of time. But we share resources. This is what the church is designed to be, a church that makes sure there are no needs among us. And in this moment, um, some of you have a stockpile of toilet paper and you have zero dollars, well, that toilet paper paper is worth some gold in this moment. And so maybe you share. Why don't you ask your community, your house church, do you have any needs in this moment? When this started happening and layoffs started happening this week, 
I reached out to my community and I said, guys, what, I asked all the guys, what are the needs that you have? What are your financial needs? Are you okay financially? Where are you at? Do you need anything? And some issues came up and we just said, hey, as, as a group of, of uh, as basically a house church, we said, hey, we're gonna make sure that your needs go, uh, they, they're met and we wanna take care of your needs. And so I've been, uh, people have been asking me, what do we do? How do we take care of the needs? Well, we have the crisis care team um, in place, but you can get creative. Brothers and sisters, you are in relationship with one another. Share what you have. Some of you, you're, you're doing well in this moment. Why don't you get creative and send people date nights? Postmate them a Thursday night meeting. Amazon Prime some food or Amazon Prime something fun for kids that you know are in your house church. Let's get creative and share with what we, our resources that we have. This is how we're gonna build connection over this period of time. We need to know what the needs are and we need to share our resources intentionally. Lastly, I just wanna say in this time, I want you to share your heart with each other. Open up to one another with what's really going on. Um, you don't need to be physically present to practice vulnerability. This week was hard. Um, for me personally, I think I, I, I was running really fast to get things in order, to make sure we were prepared to go at, move as a church in the direction we needed to go. But I was hit with a, an extraordinary amount of grief. Um, <clears throat> I, I'm sensitive. I was overwhelmed with the response to the needs of the amount of people who have already lost their jobs. Um, I was I was really grieving how I took for granted our corporate gatherings. I don't know about you, but I just loved when we gathered together to worship and we saw the Spirit of God move when it would go places and people would come forward and respond and we could pray and people would come up to me and share stories. And I, re- I, re- I regret not taking more time to listen to people in between services. That's what God was showing me. He was like, you're so fixated on often preaching or what you have to do that you miss the people. And that's what I miss. So my, my covenant, my commitment is when we get back to gathering, I just want to celebrate with you guys. I want to be with you. I want to actually fully show up and be present. That's what's going on in my life. I have some fear about the sickness that I, I've shared with friends and I've asked for prayer about that. And, but if you don't have people to connect with, to share the fear or the anxiety, people that will encourage you today, I got a FaceTime from one of my friends in San Diego who's just like building faith into me, reminding me of who God is and what we're doing. We need to share our hearts with one another in this time. Get vulnerable. Men, get vulnerable. Spouses, share what's going on underneath the surface. Talk about the things in your heart. I love what Brene Brown says. She says, we cultivate love when we allow our most vulnerable and powerful selves to be deeply seen and known. And when we honor the spiritual connection that grows, from the offering with truth, respect, kindness, and affection. Love is not something we give or get. It is something that we nurture and grow. A connection that can only be cultivated between two people when it exists within each one of them. We can only love others as much as we love ourselves. So the last thing I'll say is as you share your heart, um, love yourself and take care of yourself in this time. I believe God wants to use this time to build our church, connect it, to build community. I believe the enemy wants to keep us isolated, but we can press in and be more connected than ever before. That's all I got for us today. I want you to be a resilient disciple. I want you to learn how to build meaningful connection, to build deep friendships in this moment of isolation. As a church, let's thrive 
together in this moment. Let's care for each other. Let's uh, go look out for one another. Let's be proactive in the, the way we care and take care of one another. Let's be proactive in sharing everyday ordinary life. Join digital uh, communities. Look at digitalchurch.live. Let's be generous with each other and be generous as we give. Um, and I want to say this. I want to remind you as we head into ministry that the Holy Spirit in the scriptures, one of the names he's given is comforter. Isn't that amazing? That the Spirit, the name for the Spirit is Comforter. So if you're feeling discomfort, if you're feeling anxiety, if you're feeling fear, if you're feeling overwhelmed, if you're grieving loss of all the change that's, that's taken place, I want to invite you to ask the Comforter to expand his ministry in your life right now. And maybe you just open up your hands. So if that's for you and you're at home and you're feeling, man, that's the word I need to be comforted in this situation. I know there's families who have um, spouses that are working in hospitals and there's fear and anxiety and uncertainty. Let the comforter comfort you today. Those of you that have already lost jobs, let the Holy Spirit, the comforter, comfort your heart in where you are, knowing that he is with you and he is for you and you will get through this and we will get through this together. Second thing I wanna pray for is that if you're lonely, I wanna ask that you would pray for friends to be around you in the situation. I remember when Alex and I planted this church, um, we were very lonely. All of our friends stayed in Costa Mesa and Pastor Bill told us, why don't you start praying friends into your life? And we did, and that was a miracle. So now we have our best friends that are in our church and they've been here. And I don't wanna claim that they're here because I prayed for them, but partly because I did. But I think for some of you that are feeling loneliness, why don't you pray friends into the situation and then talk to them, ask them to be your friend in this situation to connect with you. But I believe God wants to supernaturally connect some of you with deep friendships. I've seen this throughout the ministry of the garden where f- best friends are, uh, are emerging from the community. So Lord, I, I bless my brothers and sisters today uh, before we lead into worship. I ask Holy Spirit that you comfort our church. I pray Jesus that you fill us with uh, peace and joy and hope. I pray, God, that we would be devoted to one another, that we love one another and build intimacy in this time. I pray that our church would expand and grow in this season. Um, Lord, would you give us insight how you want us to live as a church and to care for the needs of our city? And I pray for those who are experiencing loneliness and isolation. Would you increase their connection and allow them to feel known and know others? Bring them friends to walk with them in this season. In the name of Jesus, we pray together. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit garden.church. Our hearts are open. Our hearts are open.